Everyone feeling festive in Panther Nation tonight. Pitt defeats North Carolina down in Chapel Hill. Let's talk about this win, the implications of it, and so much more. Coming up today on this episode of Locked on Pitt. You are Locked on Pitt, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Pit Podcast, everybody. As always, I'm your host, Nick Fairbaugh. Welcome back to the Lockdown Pit Podcast. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel, a sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. All right. <laughs> Let's dive into it. Um, Pitt defeats North Carolina by one point. One whole point. This was an enthralling game. This was a crazy game that went back and forth. And you really, to me, you never really quite knew what was going to happen here. But Pitt even when it looked like it could have gotten away from them, never did. Um, and that's kind of been, to me, um, one of the big themes of this season has always been Pitt's ability to kind of keep it within their own grasp. Um, ever since the loss to Michigan. Um, they haven't let games get away from them, and I think that's really worked to their effort. But this game was much different um, than most of their previous wins. Um, Blake Hinson played, to be quite honest with you, a awful game. Um, it was really bad to see Blake. He kind of was overthinking it. Um, he was taking bad shots. He was hurting Pitt a lot, and I think that was the biggest thing to me is like, did you expect Blake Kinston to hurt Pitt after what he's been doing recently? Right, he is, to be quite honest, the big reason why they won against Miami. Big reason why they won against Wake Forest, certainly. Um, when you shoot as well as he did um, in that game against Wake Forest, you know, you're, you're the reason why you won. So I look at a guy like Blake Kinston, and I would you would expect him – to continue that, but he didn't play well in this game, and, and the other guys stepped up, um, and that's, I think, been the identity of this team. It really has been the identity of this basketball team. It's been, if you are not on, I am on. Um, and tonight, listen, Blakens didn't have it, but Nellie Cummings did. <laughs> Nellie Cummings was due for one of these games. I, we, we've been talking about it after every single win they've had recently, right? They are due for a big Nelly Cummings game. He hasn't really had a spectacular game from downtown since that Syracuse game all the way back in December. He's shooting 28% from three in conference play, but he's a much better career three-point shooter than that. He's a career 36% three-point shooter. So it makes more sense to me to expect that three-ball to come back up, and it did tonight. And I think you're going to continue to see some positive regression for Nelly Cummings. Um, you know, Jeff Capel encouraged him to just shoot the ball whenever he was confident with it. And I, I like that, and he came up huge today. 21 huge points for Nelly Cummings. Um, he did foul out late in the game, and that could have hurt Pitt. Um, and some of these fouls were really, really up and kind of bonkers. 
Um, but but he was huge in this game. Um, when they were down 46 to 40, he turned it around in a flash, put him up three with three straight possessions, three straight makes from downtown. He was unconscious in this game. Uh, he was making the heat check to the heat check. He was awesome on uh, this one. I also think an unsung hero is going to be Fede Federico. Um, I really do. I can't say so much. Um, I can't say as much when you look at Federico. It's just this is a kid that we talked about in the preseason as redshirting. And now he's playing 29 minutes this game against Armando Baycott and doing extremely well against Armando Baycott, by the way. You know, Baycock got his double-double, but he never took over the game. UNC had 19 offensive boards. That was a big thing, but Federico really battled in there. And three blocks in this game for Federico, eight points, and he was awesome against uh, against Baycott, man. His defensive presence is such a joy to watch because you didn't know it was coming. He's got great length. Um, he's, and he's got so much more upside. I think um, that very much uh, takes it to the next level. Um, when you look at this guy, man, he's still raw. He's still not completely uh, there in terms of what he can be. Um, and, and that's very impressive. Only a sophomore, still two more years of eligibility after this. I think you can only be extremely excited to see what comes uh, of this uh, this kind of career that you're starting to see bud here with Fede Federico. And then kind of the other shout-out, Nike Sabandi. I mean, you know, just, just stars of the game here, and Nike has to be one of them. Um, you know, you're, you had a few off games from Nike Sabandi recently where he really didn't offer much, so you played him only about 14, 15 minutes. Not the case today. Um Played a significant amount of minutes, 29 minutes, because he was fantastic. Um, 10, re- 10, 10 points, but I, I look at the seven rebounds as a really significant thing. You know, they're a better rebounding team. They're a better defensive team. He's the best on-ball defender. He's got length. He's got uh, athleticism. He's got pops. Um, so he's able to kind of mirror guys like Caleb Love and, and, and R.J. Davis and give them trouble, and he really did today. Um, he gave them fits, and Greg Elliott maybe didn't have his best game. Uh, not that Greg Elliott was, was terrible today, but he didn't have his best game. And so Pitt picked up for it, and I, I thought it was really quite impressive, actually, to see Pitt um, pick up for some of these guys that didn't play that well. And Henson, who probably had his worst game as a Panther, with only two points, 107-04 from downtown, and, and just made some crazy plays in this one. Um, so I look at a guy like Nike Sabandi, who has just been that spark plug off the bench for Pitt so many times when they need an energizer bunny, you know, he has been the guy and I can't, I, he did it three or four times in this game where he just got a rebound or a steal and just hit the gas and transition, finished the rack. He, he truly is uh, a guy that is such an asset in games like this because Pitt's not a super athletic team. Um, that's not really their strength. But Nike Sabandi is. He's a hyper-athletic guy that can run the floor, that can get up and, and go at it. And he's he's a really great player in that regard. So uh, he's been a great, great, great addition off the bench. And then the last guy I want to shout out, as, as obviously we, we always do it kind of because it's hard not to shout out Jamarius Burton. But 
you have to, you know, frustrate it at first. And, and just as the game goes on, man, uh, a guy that just finds his groove, uh, a guy that even when he's struggling, weathers the storm, only six of 18 from the field today, but 19 points and got to the rack a lot and got to the foul line and made those two critical free throws at the end to win this game. He struggled a little bit at times in these past three or four games, but he has always weathered the storm. He's always come out better for it. Um, this is a really good player, man. He, he's playing like an all-ACC selection right now. I keep telling people that, but truly, he, he is playing like that um, right now. He is a true, true, true combo guard that is playing at a super high level right now. So shout out to Jamarius Burton. Um, but I kind of want to talk about tournament implications, and I also do want to touch on uh, Jason Capel and, and this whole situation that kind of is shadowing over everything. Um, but first, folks, I want to let you know about FanDuel. Because, folks, this year, the only app you need at a Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports bank partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you are new to FanDuel, that's even better, folks. They have so many great features that make betting as a sports fan so easy. Just download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with no Sweat first bet is a no sweat first bet, so you'll get three hundred thousand dollars, three thousand dollars to bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. But you could maybe win three hundred thousand dollars if you get the right bet. Vandal lets you bet on everything from the money line, the point spreads, to who will score a touchdown, and so much more. So feel free, folks, you get to keep all your wings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Lockdown Pit Podcast. Let's talk about this, this game a little bit more in depth. Um, first of all, you know, Pitt didn't let any of these guys take over the game. Um, despite the foul trouble, it, it really got Pitt into some things, you know, with Fede Federico out and, you know, Guillermo Diaz-Graham tried to give him quality minutes and didn't always work out. And so it became a little bit of a hassle at times um, to kind of trust Guillermo Diaz-Graham. Um, and he tried and, and he gave them nine minutes of, of hard-fought effort, but uh, they really need Fede out there. And kind of the game switched even immediately once it came in. But, no one really took over this game um, completely. You know, uh, Caleb Love had a really good game today, 22 points for them. Um, but he never took over the game in spurts like a guy like Kelly Cummings did or a guy like Jamarius Burton did. Um, and so I think that was good. Pitt played good defense in this one, held in only 35% shooting, 19% from downtown. I thought it was a really good game for the defense. Um, although uh, they did get to the line a lot. I, I don't love that. But listen, 19 offensive boards, only 13 second chance points. Um, the defense was quite good today for Pitt. Um, and, and so you take that. Um, and Pitt's not been a great defensive team all year. So to get a performance like this, really encouraging to me. Um, it gets a really good team that's athletic, that can score in bunches, um, that's proven their aptitude to score in bunches against other teams. So that's a good sign. Um, I think the rebounding was a lot better, too, uh, in the second half, um, which is always good. You know, first half, it, it felt like they couldn't crash the boards worth a darn, but very even in the second half, 20 to 18. Um, as the game went on, and that's been a theme for Pitt, but I, I think that 
really rings true uh, today. Um, they got into the lane easily. And what it really does for the team now is it, <laughs> if they played with house money in this one, you know, it kind of talks about how this game was house money. They didn't really need to win this one. They wouldn't be hurt by it. Um, but if they won it, they, the game was immense um, for Pitt. And so they get a quad one win, um, not just a, a, a quality, you know, not just a low quad one win. This is a significantly high quad one win at that on the road in Chapel Hill, handing North Carolina their first home loss of the season. Uh, that's a significant development for Pitt. That is a significant booster uh, of their resume to me. So I look at, at this as a huge win for Pitt. Probably the most important one of the year in terms of just the game they get from it. Um, is it the most must-win game of the year? No, that was probably Miami. Um, you could even argue Virginia in that front. But this was the most two-game win of the year. And they now have eight quad one and quad two wins. Um, that is just developing a resume that is becoming – uh, it's becoming a remarkably strong resume in terms of bubble teams. You're just not going to be able to point to many bubble teams with that many quad one, quad two wins because Pitt continues just to beat good teams. I mean, they haven't lost any bad ones. You know, they have some questionable losses with BCU and Vanderbilt on there. And and obviously Florida state is going to be one that people look at, but they can't suffer a loss like that the rest of the way. Um, But Pitt right now, they're, they're, they, they are feeling good about themselves and rightfully so. Um, I think that they have earned that fact that they are feeling very good about themselves. Um, and, and so this this group, they just don't quit. Um, there's, a, there's a grit to them. There's a continuity to them. They're not the most talented team. They're a team that meshes together and becomes a really good team that, that makes better of their entire parts. Um, this group, man, fun, fun, fun team to watch uh, play. They can shoot it a little bit from deep and they can get really high from deep, too. They just have different modes. Um, I think that we've talked about this before, just the modes and how they win are, are so vastly different from each other uh, day in and day out, um, every game. You know, last game, it, it, they stopped the three ball extremely well, and that's kind of what created a blitz to come back against Miami. Wake, they shot the three ball extremely well. They don't shoot the three ball all that well. Um, seven of nineteen, you know, thirty-seven percent. Not terrible, but not great. Um, pretty average day from beyond the arc. But Blake Henson played bad. Um, they tried to play through him early, and they just picked them up and they went through their guards instead. I think it's the guys that are able to step up the different modes of which they are able to win through. Uh, I think it's actually quite special. Um, not every team can can pick up the pieces. Uh, quite like Pitt can in that regard. So I think that versatility is not just going to give Pitt the ability to make a run at getting to the tournament, which is obviously well underway right now, but a run potentially in the tournament. Um, so I think that gives them depth, and they have different lineups. Um, I think that is rare um, in the Jeff Capel tenure, too. When you look at it, he's got different lines he can go to. He can go to you know different guard combinations. He can go to length combinations. He can go to different size combos. He can go to three specific. He can go to big. He can go to different types of, of lineups, I think, with versatility, with more depth because of the rise of, of a Nate Santos, of a Guillermo Diaz-Graham, of Jorge Diaz-Graham. You know, not, these guys aren't going to give you 
elite minutes, but they're going to give you quality minutes. They turn into quality guys and give you seven, uh, eight minutes a game. And I think that has been huge for deepening the rotation. So it's not just a six-man rotation anymore. Now Pitt has been able to legitimately go uh, eight, nine deep. Um, and they went nine deep in this one. And I think that has been uh, a big boon to their to their stock. It's It's been able to just get guys like Blake Henson who can play 40 minutes, 39, uh, 38 minutes a game. Now he only has to play 30. Um, Jamari Burton only has to play 34. Um, I think it's just a big a big stock boost for Pitt because you don't have to have to force these guys in the ground for 35 minutes a game. Um, you know, some guys will play 35 minutes a game still just because maybe they're having the game of their lives. Um, when Ellie Cummings had 34 minutes in this game, if he had finished the game, he would have finished with 36 minutes. But I look at a, at a team like Pitt, man, it's a team that is building itself up just month after month. They continue to get better and reach new heights. And so it's a very encouraging sign to me about this team and their development. They've consistently gotten better and they consistently just win games. Um, and that to me is, is the most impressive part of this entire thing. But I'm going to flip over to this uh, Jason Capel stuff a little bit. Um, I'll talk about this a little more tomorrow, too, because just because, you know, I, there's got to be information about this um, more. I, I got to do more look into it. It's a very odd situation. Um, Jason Capel, in case you didn't know, UNC grad, um, played there, was a first-round pick out of North Carolina. Um, a guy that kind of grew up wanting to be a UNC player. Um, that's kind of what this whole thing's about, and he got booed um, at the end. Pitt got booed because they beat him in, at home, and, and I thought it was a foul at the end, but the, the clock was clearly expired before the ball was out of Love's hands. Um, but you look at kind of the – the words that Jason Capel said afterwards in the locker room, uh, just outside the locker room, uh, he was heated about this. Um, just feels like there was disrespect towards him. He said, y'all are not going to disrespect me. All I did for this program, y'all are going to boo me. I held this together when Matt Doherty tore it apart. Screw that, essentially, but with more colorful language than I did. Um and then you look at Jeff Capel, who defended it, said that there was a social media post earlier today um, that ticked them off, and, and they haven't been good to Jason since 2009. There's a complicated relationship here between UNC and, and kind of uh, Jason, and it's a weird situation. Um, and it's weird that it's dominating the headlines after Pitt's probably biggest win of Capel's tenure um, in terms of pure gains. So it, it kind of leads – to an interesting area. Um, you know, I, I'll say this. Um, just a preliminary view of it. Um, you look at just sports. Um, you're going to get booed. I understand that, you know, you are a UNC alum and there's all of this. You have to understand, man, it's not like losing. It's, it's as simple as that. They're going to boo. And that doesn't necessarily mean they were booing you, uh, Jason Capel. Um, and I understand he's felt slighted by other things in the past. I just think this is a conduit to express said, those said frustrations. I think that is what this is. This is a conduit to 
kind of enrage those a little bit more. Um, and so I look at it, you know, the social media post, if that is what it is, um, there was a post where they posted game day um, and it was UNC's number 25 with his tongue sticking out. Um, Jason Cable wore number 25. That was one of his signature celebrations. They viewed it as a shot towards Jason Cable. Um, I have a feeling that's not what it was. Um, I think that's reaching a little bit. But, again, I think when you come from their mindset, they have felt slighted so much in the past. They viewed it as such. Um, and so Jason Capel, kind of this is just a straw that broke Campbell's back um, more than anything to me. Um, that's kind of how I view the whole thing when I look at this Jason Cable situation. So, listen, I don't really know where this is going to go. I just know that the Capels have a very complicated relationship with um, North Carolina. Certainly, uh, Jeff Capel probably doesn't like this program. He's a Duke guy. Um, but I think largely, if when we're talking about booing um, Pitt, if Pitt came in to Duke and won, uh, Jeff Cable would get booed, and I'm not sure Jeff Cable would take it very personally. Um, sports are sports. Fans are fans. Going to react accordingly, um, especially when they thought that there was gonna, there should be a foul. Um, so I don't think they were booing Jason Cable personally. Um, but Jason Cable took it personally because I, I feel like he feels like a lot of this history with UNC is personal. So that's my thoughts on that right now. But tomorrow I'm going to have more fleshed out thoughts on Jason Cable and the situation and kind of where this goes. But right now, my take on it is that Jason Cable um, largely is, is taking it a little too personally. Um, but I, I think it comes from a, a history of um, kind of just dealing with UNC and negative lights. I, I don't feel like he has viewed this in a negative light. You know, he came from an 8-20 and 20 team where he was a senior, um, but he feels like he held up a big end of the bargain and he feels like he was the heart and soul of that team. Even if it was the worst season in North Carolina history, he feels like that he brought them through a rough shot period and kind of helped develop the next generation um, to cultivate that. Um, so there's a lot of emotion going in there. It's not just this situation. It's not just a boo from a crowd after Pitt wins. It's built up over apparently 14 years. Um, so there's a lot of pent-up emotion. That's what I, I think this is. This is just a blowing over of emotion of multiple years. And um, Jason Cable just kind of letting loose uh, on this one. All right, everybody. Well, as always, thank you for listening to the Locked on Pitt podcast. Um, we'll be back tomorrow talking a little bit more uh, about Pitt and basketball and seeing where they can go into the mini-buy, where they can maybe make some improvements as well as looking back here on the UNC win. As always, thank you for listening. As always, hail to Pitt.